For the SBS studios in Ataman, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land I'm recording from. I pay my respects to the Kamaregal people of the Gurungai Nation and their elders past and present. I also acknowledge the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from. Hi, I'm Suraj Kolakar. I immigrated to Australia as a child, and I always find myself fascinated by immigrant stories. So on this podcast, I'm bringing you the stories of immigrants reliving their first year in Australia. Everything they felt from hope, fear, alienation, and ultimately triumph. My guest today is Jewish comedian Peter Mizell from the United States. Peter arrived in Australia in the 1970s when he heard that Australia was in desperate need for teachers. A two-year visit then turned into decades in Australia. I grew up in an area um, called Stuyvesant Town and Peter Cooper Village. Right. It is that was, what is Bedford Stuyvesant now? No, Bedford okay. Stuyvesant is in Brooklyn. This is in Manhattan. This is a great area. It goes from th- this area goes from 14th Street to 23rd Street, okay. First Avenue to the river, which is Avenue C. Yeah. And it was built for returning servicemen from World War II and a few other people as well. But the, so there were two requirements basically. One, you had to be part of a family that had servicemen who were in it, and you had to be a person not of color. You had to be white. Wow. 35,000 people, not a single person of color. Oh, my God. Yeah. So when did you see your first person of color? Cleaning ladies would come from Harlem, and they were mostly uh, African-American. But my first encounter with a uh, a black person was on the subway, uh, the A train, and I was about four, because I have a very good memory for back then, nothing now. <laughs> and I was on the train, and if you go on the subway, you tend to look out the window. You yeah. put your hands up to the glass, you look out. And there was another four-year-old, about four-year-old black kid, and we're just looking out the window, and I looked at him, and he was looking at me, and, and I touched his hair. Yeah. Because, it was, you know, I'd never seen that before. Yeah. And it was perfectly innocent. And my, um, my dad says, you don't do that. So I didn't. So we we went for the rest of the trip. We my my family and I got out of the last stop. I don't. He got out before that. But just looking out that window was a real kind of bonding experience. You no know, touching shoulders. It was just that's how guys made friends. Yeah. And I'm picturing now on a trip back. If I go when I go back and I go to the subway, and I still if there's some black ball guy, other ball guy, and we're both looking out the window going, gee, I remember him. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was the neighborhood. It was a great neighborhood to grow up in with a few exceptions. Um, it was 40% Irish Catholic, 40% Jewish. Right. Did not get along. Got a beat up pretty badly as a Damn. nine-year-old by a gang of 12-year-olds. For being Jewish. For being Jewish. You know, they were saying things like Christ killer, which was funny because... Uh, that day I was in Nazareth and he was in Jerusalem, so I thought I had a good alibi. <laughs> Plus, 2,000 years had passed. <laughs> so I didn't really do it, and I was pretty sure of that. So, yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't pleasant. But generally speaking, it was, it was a nice area to grow up in. Yeah. It felt safe if you stayed out of those areas. Right. And did you spend your whole childhood in that area? Whole childhood until I was uh, 18, then went to university upstate New York. Right. And then would come back and for reunions and stuff, and that was really... 
So you said uh, 18, uh, you left that area and you went to university? Went to university for four years, but... You know, during school holidays and, and summers, you came back home, worked yeah. summer jobs in the 60s and things like that. What did you study at university? I studied psychology. Right. Which I, got a, I, I have a degree in psychology, which allows me to get no jobs anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got in early. I got in, in early to be. Uh, but when, when I stand on line, the unemployment line, I, I seem very intelligent. <laughs> and then I had to go back to to. to uh, university or college to get my teaching degree. That's right, I, right. Which is how I got out here. Yeah, okay. So take me to that. What, firstly, uh, what brought you to teaching and then what brought you to Australia? I like the idea of a 10-week holiday because in America, <laughs> in America, you only get... You're doing get... teachers no favors who are listening to this going, <laughs> no, no. No, I mean, I, I, no, I, <laughs> my dad worked, I, he worked... He worked all for years, every since he, since he got to America and before America, and he got... Even at the end of his working career, he was getting two weeks vacation. Yeah. The idea of working 50 weeks a year and getting two weeks off seemed horrific. Yeah. So getting the summer off, I could just sit perfectly still in a, in a, in a closet or wardrobe <laughs> and just make the time go really slowly. Yeah. But I turned out that I liked teaching and I wasn't bad at it. Um, so I stayed with that. When did you start thinking about Australia and, and what brought you to Australia? Oh, um, university. I've, I got four years off what's called college deferment. Right. So you go four years and not go to Vietnam. Right. So a lot of people went to university. A lot of people went to teacher's college. Part of it, they may not have gone, but nobody wanted to go to Vietnam. Yeah. What year was this? Uh, this was, I went from 67 to, uh, to, I was supposed to graduate in 71, yeah. graduate January 72. Yeah. And... Uh, that's when they had the, the. I was part of the first lottery, and my number was three fifty. So I wasn't going anywhere. I okay. mean, that was good. That was you know, losing everything, losing this lottery <laughs> that way, getting a low number or high number. That was great. But right. um, a lot of people went to uni, stayed in uni because they did not want to go to Vietnam, which was wow. quite understandable. Yeah. So there were no teaching jobs. So, yep. you know, I'd apply. So I'd drive like in the middle of winter looking, you know, for interviews and stuff like this. I did substitute teaching for a while, which was awful. Casual teaching, substitute there. Yeah. It was horrible. And then there was an ad in uh, Australia was actually looking for teachers. Right. It was amazing. So I went to the interview. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't very thorough. I mean, I don't think they, I mean, I don't know what they were looking for. This was an interview in New York. In New York at Rockefeller Center. They to a, interview to be a teacher in Australia. In Australia. That's yeah. fascinating. And people yeah. coming from, I don't know if they had other places as well in the West, but people coming like from Ohio stuff, places like that right. for the interview. And yeah, I was accepted. I was on the last plane load of Americans. We came out here, the plane landed after... Uh, I think it was an 18-hour trip because there were two stops, wow. uh, something like that. I can't quite remember. And when we got here, there were literally people carrying Yankee Go Home signs. Wow. Because that, the, they apparently, and this, the, there were rumors why, they there was a teacher shortage. By the time we came, there wasn't one. But they wanted to give, to take power, this is the rumors, I don't know, take yeah. power away from the Teachers Federation. Right. And by having extra teachers they would have that power. Right. So for the first several months, they, they, I had no permanent class. Yeah. There were too many of us. All the classes were filled. Oh, wow. And they sent us to, and this is the thing at the orientation where you sent to, and the first letter, the first thing it opens up to, it says Green Valley. 
Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. All my dreams have come true. Uh, you know, rolling hills, puffy white clouds, <laughs> sheep grazing. <laughs> Apparently, Green Valley was really bad back then. It was Housing <laughs> Commission. Uh, and it was considered just uh, – because when I showed it to some, an Australian in the cafeteria, they said, uh-oh. Turns <laughs> out it was great. I loved my time there. Yeah. The kids I taught – Turned out to be just fantastic. Yeah. I really, and in fact, I, I did a show up at um, East Lakes for Darren Sanders, a festival show. And a pupil came, ex pupil came, not to watch the show, but just to say hello, which is yeah. quite flattering. And the, she was from the first year I taught. And uh, she's, she's 56. Yeah. And there's a grandmother, which freaks me out. When I taught her, I was I was half uh, less than half her age now. Uh, but yeah, no, I love I love that period of time. Yeah, teaching there. So take me back to when you said you you first landed uh, at the airport. At there the were airport. Yankee go home signs. Yankee go home signs. Yeah, wow. there was a, there was. A and how did that? Uh, how did you process that? Because you you were coming with the impression that there was a shortage of yes. teachers, so you'd be kind of welcome, you know. Uh, yes. Uh, and, and generally speaking, once, uh, I mean, at the schools, I said, look, it's not, I remember one principal going, it's not their fault that they're here. It's, um, it's, it's, it's the government, blah, blah, blah. Right. But after an 18 hour flight, <laughs> I couldn't care less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere except to lie down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it took us to the Coochie Hostel, and you know what? What a first great night is that? Sorry. Where is that where you went first night? That's first week. Yeah, and it was it was it was that too was great. You know, on the oh, we'll walk to the beach and stuff like that. Oh, this this is great. The whole the whole country is a small little country. Oceans everywhere. <laughs> Not in Green Valley, but uh, <laughs> nor was there a Green Valley. So I taught there for five years. Right, and in that in that first week, what was your impression of Australia? That was the first time you'd ever visited Australia. It was the first time I ever visited. Yeah. Um, it seemed really nice. People seemed quite friendly yeah. for the most part. Um, other than the ones holding the signs. Other than the ones holding the signs, <laughs> yeah. My, my, my co-workers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Other than that, they were fine. Um, no, oh, it, it was teachers holding Yankee Go Home signs. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, right, un, right. From the union. Uh, federal, right. I, I don't, they were strong federation members. Why are they bringing out Americans? Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. Just just <laughs> let me lie down somewhere and I'll go home. Just whatever you want. <laughs> if you can upgrade me to first class. Because, yeah. I know when you, you some of the stories you've done, you know, the the horrors of people getting here. Yeah. All I could complain about, the seating was a little cramped. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but that's the, you know, the, the immigrant experience is the yeah, whole spectrum, varies, yeah. you know? And that's the other, it was different also for, for me. I, I was only going to be here two years. Right. You know, two years and what the hell and go back because it, it, I couldn't get a teaching job. But with two years experience, yeah. they'd go, oh, look at this. And not only did he teach for two years, he taught in Australia. Yeah, okay. Um, so then what made you stay? Well, it was too hard. So I stayed another, <laughs> I was going to stay another two years, uh, which I did. I mean, obviously, because I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. And then after a while, it occurred to me, in order to teach for less money in the States, I would then have to go, within five years, I'd have to get either uh, a master's degree or 30 graduate credits. So not only would I have to teach, I'd have to go back to university yeah. and learn exactly what I learned before, because I'm sure they do it just so they can give themselves jobs yeah. at that level. So I thought, you know, when I came out here, 
there were teachers two-year trained, three-year trained, and, you know, we were the four. Oh, they've got a degree from university. If you walked <laughs> to a classroom, you couldn't tell the difference yeah. between a two-year, three. You know, you just couldn't, which just shows how much of the of education is a waste of time, <laughs> um, for at least for teaching. Right. One of the things I noticed I taught for 18 years, the amount of drinking cut down. They right. were, like we, in Australia? In Australia. The first year, every day, teachers would, would swarm to a place called the Stop and Rest <laughs> in Mount Pritchard. <laughs> swarm. If on Friday, if you didn't get there by, oh, 3.30, you didn't get a seat till about 5. Right. It was packed with teachers. <laughs> so if you were in school in the 70s, your teachers were just hammered. And worse. Uh, after school. After school. One teacher was sad. They, they said to him, if you don't stop drinking, you'll be dead in six months. So he stopped drinking. Then he started again. And, and the doctors were right. He was dead in six months. Damn. Kevin. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> How was it in America at the time, like it, uh, in teaching and, and students? How did uh, that atmosphere compared to teaching and, and students here? Did you find a big difference? Uh, here, the discipline included kids could be caned, not by regular teachers, but by executive teachers. Oh, so there was like designated caners. That's right. Wow. That's right. And I thought that was really by barbaric because yeah. it was in the 1970s. And that wasn't there in America? No, not where I was. No, apparently in, in the Catholic schools, they had some pretty tough nuns. But yeah. um, no, in the public school, no, they, they couldn't touch you legally right what about like class sizes and stuff were they the class size i had were a lot bigger it was something like uh i don't know high 30s or low 40s when yeah. i first came out and america was similar no america was the class of the, the place i did substitute teaching a lot smaller that was another thing because at the time they were very big on separation of church and state in america you know they right. did and here they had scripture classes oh in australia in australia right right and um my thought well you know that's the ridiculous it shouldn't be religion and 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 schools mixed and then i found out you got a half hour off during scripture <laughs> i don't think one day is enough <laughs> these kids need the religion they should be doing it every day <laughs> and then at that time the uh hostility towards american teachers did that die down after a year or two did you feel it, more even accepted less, by your colleagues or? even well you know how adorable i am how could they how could they hate me for any period of time no it was almost it was almost instant it right. was almost instant. The people were very nice. It was more what we represented, not individual. Yeah, and they yeah. realized it was the ones who came to the airport was, I think, for show. Like, how dare you? But it wasn't directed personally yeah. at us. You know, it they were saying Peter's son flight. Yeah, yeah, uh, flight yeah just three. him. <laughs> yeah, the rest of you can stay. Peter, go home. <laughs> was there something particular that made you stay? I liked it here. I liked it here. Um, I didn't. I really didn't want to go back and and have to look for a job um, and do that 30 credits. Yeah. And yeah. And so you were getting settled into the lifestyle here. I was getting settled. I, I became a very good drinker. Uh, <laughs> first trip back drinking with my friends because Australian beer was a lot stronger. Oh, okay. So was the drinking culture uh, much more here than in America at the same time? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was another reason to stay. Uh, how am I going to drive to the airport? I'm way too. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I mean, I remember, I mean, I know a lot of Americans talk about this, but it was funny when the guy said, come to the pub yeah. and I'll buy you a schooner. Yeah. Which is, to me, was a boat. A yeah. large boat. <laughs> 
I knew he wasn't going to buy me a boat. As lovely as I am, yeah. and as nice of people as Australians were, I knew that was wrong, so it had to be something else. And sure enough, it was. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, the other thing, being a lot of Americans out here, I was able to play baseball out here. Right. Uh, and, and things like that. And here's, it's funny... You know, when you're a kid, you have dreams. Uh, and, you know, I, I always wanted to play for the Yankees. Yeah. And I think at 77, I played for the Canterbury Yankees. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you see, when you pray to God, you need to be specific. <laughs> no, no, the New York Yankees. I also wanted to live in Beverly Hills. <laughs> I'm in California, but I lived. Near, I used to live near the one near Norway. <laughs> it's a nice area. <laughs> well, when you were getting off the plane, they were calling you a Yankee. So. Yes, yeah, Yankee. Yeah. So you got there. I got there. <laughs> the time that you were saying in Australia in the in the 70s, mm -hmm. then did you get used to the uh, weather here? Did you or did you miss the New York winters? Nobody misses the New York winters. <laughs> no, I, snow is great for one day. I've never seen snow. Oh, it's beautiful to sit there and look out the window and go, okay, and tomorrow it's sunny again. Yeah. It's just lovely. And in New York, yeah. when I was a kid with the pollution, yeah. the snow would fall after it stopped within an hour. It's filthy. It wow. was black already. It was, it was just ugly. But when it was first fell, it was beautiful and quiet, and yeah. Central Park was lovely in the winters. And now it's, it's yeah. No, it's winter is not a pleasure. I don't miss the winters. So you love the, the Australian heat. I like the climate. Because it's funny because you hear people go, well, these people all stay with, they stay with people like themselves. Yeah. What you do in the beginning? I mean, yeah. I, I hung out mostly with Americans. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was it tricky to make friends outside of the Americans you knew initially? The people I met were out here were American. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know them from before. Right. None of the people, oh, a couple people I met. Like when you get older... It's harder to make friends. Now, yeah, obviously you guys and a lot of Australian friends, obviously, in, in the comedy business. Yeah, but initially, initially um, as no, you yeah, said, they, they, you gravitated to the people that you related to most. That's with. right. People, Because yeah. I've read studies. Men, men um, form bonds over uh, activities. So playing baseball with these other guys, yeah. they became friends. But at, at, uh, after school... We bonded over drinking schooners. What were good. some of the other colloquialisms you found trippy or weird? I didn't at first like, you know, hey, mate. Yeah. I didn't like that. <laughs> But now that I'm 73 and can't remember names, yeah, it's, oh, hey, mate. It's perfect, right? <laughs> it's perfect for people my age. <laughs> I also found people mumbled a lot here. I had trouble understanding them. It's because they were all drunk. Perhaps. <laughs> I should have picked it up with the drooling. But, yeah. No, it was, a, it was a good time to be here. I've got to say... Uh, it was still, this, I mean, I went in the 70s to the Alice Springs area. Yeah, okay. And that was that was a very racist area. The, wow. You know, they, they, uh, one of the outskirts, of, not of town, you drove for a several hour drive and you blend something. Right. And Aborigin Aboriginals were buying beer from a different area than the white people. Right, like They'd, fully segregated kind fully of. Fully segregated, not inside, I mean, just to buy a carton. Right. Or a six, but what, no, they didn't have six pack. Whatever, wow. it was just, yeah, it was just like going back in time in America. Oh, it, it like felt a, like 
the 1950s that you grew up in in the late 70s in yeah. Australia. Yeah, right. it did. I mean, I, 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 Aboriginals just got the vote, I think, in 1967. Wow. So in 76, that was a nine, it's only nine years they, yeah. could, they could vote. And it's not like it became amazing as soon as they were given the vote. It was still it was, terrible oh, yeah. treatment. Yeah, yeah. Well, so like America is now, it's gone <laughs> back. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I was very happy here. Uh, I did miss America because I saw it through rose-colored glasses. Yeah. I missed... Uh, that was the other thing. When people say, oh, they bring their culture with them. Well, why not? <laughs> I missed... I missed... You couldn't get baseball scores, American football scores. Yeah. There was nothing. Now, yeah. now you know, I can choose which game I want to watch on the computer and what have you. Back then... The New York Times might have an art, not the New York Times, sorry, the Sydney Morning Herald yeah. might have who won the World Series. Right. And Just as they, a, a little byline. A little, little thing on the, <laughs> they, they needed to fill a sports, <laughs> a bit on the sports break. Then they started giving the uh, scores of the games and yeah. they started giving the standings. Right. And now can watch, you know, I, I subscribe to Major League Baseball. Yeah. I watch the American football. And, and that's the kind of thing I missed and that's been fulfilled. And I can now, and this is a big one, I can get good pizza now. Yeah? I have found a few places that have good pizza. How long did it take from... 30 years. <laughs> Literally. Because I think years? about it, 30, 30 years to find good pizza. <laughs> so from the mid-70s to like 2005. Something like that, yeah. I, 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 at a restaurant, I couldn't believe it. Oh my God, this is good. Now, New Yorkers have a thing about pizza where they're like, our pizza is better than Italian pizza. Yes. Yes. Our Chinese food is better than Chinese food. <laughs> All of it. We're very ethnocentric. <laughs> Along those lines, I was going to ask you from those uh, from the 70s to, you know, the 80s and 90s. How did you see uh, Australia change like from, you know, immigrant eyes? OK, first of all, when I first got everything closed and Saturday at noon. And didn't open till Monday. So if you didn't know to go shopping, you could possibly starve to death. Because <laughs> everything <laughs> shut. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, on a Sunday, I would go because Dimmick's and another bookstore were open on George Street. And I'd drive in uh, because they were the only things open. Queen Victoria Building was a shell at the time. Right. And, you know, you'd park, you'd park on George Street, no problem. <laughs> yeah. So that was terrible. Everything was closed except maybe a restaurant. Right. So I lived in Cabramatta mm. before um, the influx of Southeast Asians. So there was an Italian restaurant, a couple milk bars and things like that. Yeah. I ended up teaching after I left Green Valley, uh, Hecken Heckenberg Public School. Yeah. I moved to Lansville Public School, which was in Cabramatta. Yeah. And I remember when the, this 1981, and the first three children from Southeast Asia came. Right. And then they, you know, it. What an what a, I am so lucky. What a, what a great what a great experience. Yeah. For to teach uh, in a multicultural school. What an incredible experience. I taught literally 83 different cultures. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you'd have, you know, I, I coach soccer teams and you'd see two uh, Cambodian kids running down the field yelling at each other. <laughs> and then two Vietnamese kids running back up the field yelling at each other. <laughs> it, was it, was, it was a great experience. But it, I learned that. I mean, you know, after teaching 83 different I learned, I learned it, you know, it doesn't matter if a child had black skin or white skin or where a child is from or what religion. All children are stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no, they were great. I really, I really enjoyed it. I touched with them. A lot of them as well, and yeah. they've gone on to great 
really great things. Wonderful. Yeah. At what point did you start to feel like Australia was home? 2015, Trump <laughs> comes down the escalator. It says, I'm running for president, and then denigrates Mexicans <laughs> for no apparent reason. That was his first speech. Uh, Mexican, they come as rapists, and uh, I'm sure there are a few good people. And I go, oh, God, look what America has become. <laughs> and before that, like the 90s and uh, the 80s, you were maybe starting to... 90s, I had planned to go back. Oh, yeah? Like, uh, well, because my, my mom was there. She wasn't well. Right. And I hadn't had, been... didn't have anything to do with... Um... Oh, no, nothing bad with Julia. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was nobody abusing me, so I needed my mom around to <laughs> tell me what I was doing wrong. Um, so, so, yeah, but it would, 2015, after he came down the escalator to applause, <laughs> I thought, nope, not going back. Please don't let this happen here. <laughs> right, right. Peter, do you have kids? I've got a, a stepson and a stepdaughter. Yeah, and they grew up in Australia? They grew up in Australia. My wife was born in England. Right. She came out in 1967. Uh, I met oh, her. To Australia. To okay, Australia. so she came to Australia much before you had. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, so uh, when we got married, I had two stepchildren living with us for a while. Yeah. And they seem okay. No, no, I, <laughs> I get along really well. I, actually, funny enough, uh, one of them is, is a deputy principal now, um, and he also is into America. In fact, he played America, not because of me, mm. but he played American football. Right, so that was right. interesting. Yeah. And my daughter is an SLO, they call it. I don't know what it is. I really need to listen more. <laughs> uh, something. But she works with uh, disabled youngsters, right? and uh, she's studying to be a teacher as we speak. Awesome. Well, um, it keeps my wife busy doing paper. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I was going to say was, do you think uh, raising kids in, uh, this would be the the 80s and the 90s? Uh, one was born in 76, one was born in 78. Yeah, so the 80s. Do you think raising kids in the 80s in Australia and in America, how how different do you think it would have been? That's a very good question. I, I'm not sure if there were more. I, I, I guess the people I would have hung out with in America at the time were more lenient, more uh, there, there, dear. And here they were stricter, which I think is a good thing. Right. In a way, not not you can overdo it. But all these people I see now yelling, what about grown-ups? You yeah. know, what about me? What about me? I think those are the kids that weren't beaten to a pulp. I mean, that, <laughs> that weren't disciplined enough. <laughs> you said the discipline was, uh, like, there was no caning in America Not, at I don't that know time. everywhere. I, I, I don't... Where you were substitute the schools teaching. I, the school I went to, the schools yeah. I did uh, casual substitute teaching at, yeah. no. Absolutely not. Right. Uh, what else would you say broadly was, you know, a culture shock or anything like that when you visited Australia? Did you did you take to the the beach and the, did you try surfing and, I didn't and all try, that? I've never tried surfing. Um, Were you afraid of the the reputation of the animals? No, I was afraid I'd hit my head on the board and kill myself. <laughs> I always thought of New York as a rat race. It was just. When I came out here, right. I felt like king of the rats. <laughs> I was the rat king. <laughs> but you said you'd be here today. Where are you? <laughs> oh, I didn't feel like, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I, to get some work done or anything, like that, it took forever. Right. Uh, oh, here it was more laid back, you felt. Laid back. Uh, yeah, it's a sunny day. I won't be coming. <laughs> yeah. And that was my surgeon. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, I was under for the no no uh, so yeah which is interesting because sydney to a lot of people feels like the rat race 
But then I guess New York is a much more intense version of that. Well, I, I don't know so much now, but yeah. then in, in the 70s and 80s, yeah. yeah, it was just so laid back and slow here. Yeah. Um, as I said, you could you could park anywhere in Sydney yeah. on a Sunday. Because nobody wow. was there. Oh, nobody everyone there. now is listening is jealous of... They're, they're looking for parking right now. Uh, that's right. Yeah. To us. <laughs> yeah, I may have parked illegally. Tonight. Coming, I'm not sure. <laughs> there is an orange barrier, but I'm just going to pretend I didn't see it. <laughs> the, the bright orange barrier. Seeing the events that happen in America, like acts of terror, shootings, and things like that, do you look at that through an American prism or an Australian prism? I think for those things, probably more American because I've seen how it's deteriorated over time, uh, particularly if something happens in New York City because I right. still have friends there. Nine uh, eleven, of course, was the worst one. Were you in Australia when that happened? I was in Australia. I'd just come out of hosting a comedy trivia night. Right. So I, so I, I heard, standing outside, heard about um, one plane had gone into a building. Right. I got home and I turned on the news immediately and I see a plane going into the building and I thought, that was the second plane, but I thought it was, they were simulating the first plane going right. in. So that came as a shock. Then I found out I had friends who, uh, one friend was saw, the, saw it happen from his window at 12th Street. Wow. And he saw, he, so they said, come to the window and the plane's in it. And then he saw the second plane at a certain distance away, and it it affected him to the point where he had to see a psychiatrist. Wow. I had another friend, and this is interesting, I'll ask you. One friend was four blocks away. One friend was three blocks away. He was in another building on a high floor, because all the buildings there are tall. He had to. He saw the smoke or something. He, he, he had to make a choice whether to take the elevator or the stairs. What would you have done? So he was in... He was in, not the World Trade Center, but a building three blocks away. He could see it happening. Right. And he knew he had to get out of that building and leave. Yeah. So he had a choice. Elevator, stairs. What would you have taken? I think when people panic, everyone flocks to the elevator because that feels like the fastest way down, right? Okay, see, I would have gone for the stairs. In stairs case are the, the safer way to go. Well, that's what I would have done in case the cable breaks. I don't want to be in that elevator. Yeah. Uh, he took the elevator, and he's fine. In fact, I spoke to him today. We were, t <laughs> we were talking about uh, baseball. So when this happened, I got in touch through whatever different ways. Yeah. With all my friends in America, yeah. everybody, nobody was in that building. Uh, close, but nobody was in it. I took that breath of relief. Then I found out a friend of mine here, yeah. uh, Simon Kennedy, his mom was on the plane that went into the Pentagon. Tragic. So when people go, oh, it was fake. No, it wasn't. Uh, and it really annoys me, and I'm, I'm sure it annoys it, it, it angers him when people go, no, that it was, it's all part of a plot. That plane went in there. She was on it. Um, but it, it's ironic that of all the people I know in America, yeah, none of them were affected directly other than seeing it. And yet somebody here, his mom. Wow. It's funny. He went to, uh, they had a, a, an anniversary, anniversary is the wrong word, but people came like a year a later. Remembrance. Uh, sorry? Memories. Memorial. Yeah. And uh, he met, uh, George George W. Bush is there, and uh, 
All he was really interested in was Linda Carter, the woman who played Wonder Woman. <laughs> she was at the same function. Right. And that's all he was interested in. <laughs> so through tragedy. <laughs> so um, as as you were saying, when you would see things. Uh, Still. News in America. Um, you you look at it from the eyes of a uh, local New Yorker. And do you feel it it maybe pervades too much into our news here? I think maybe, yeah. but from my point of view, from a selfish point of view, no. Oh, right. This is what I, plus I can watch American news here too. That's yeah. another thing I, I get. Yeah. But uh, maybe maybe too much here. But I mean, it. Yeah, it is too much here for Australians. Why? why uh, but, but as an American, I say the, the mass shootings de- literally daily. Yeah. You know that. You know it's not always a school, hmm. but it they, they do have them, and just the way. Uh, I mean, the Texas Republican Party wants to get rid of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. They're, they're, they're not even kidding around anymore. They just, they're not even pretending. Yeah, we don't want everybody to vote. And so when I look at that, I get angry. Yeah. Because I see the country I'm from absolutely going off the parapet. Yeah. Uh, whereas when you look at probably the news that uh, America is getting about Australia, it's radio silence for decades and then, oh, actually, Australia's on fire now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The flooding. I get, I get emails. Are you affected by the floods? Right. A little bit. Bushfires, a little bit. But not like Lismore. But so they think I'm 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 treading water. Uh, <laughs> Your f- American friends are my friends. imagining you in a in a in a schooner, <laughs> in a schooner, <laughs> finally, yeah, <laughs> drinking beer from some sort of vessel. <laughs> um, Peter, you've been a wonderful guest, uh, a good you. friend, and a good friend. I, yes, I you loved, too. <laughs> I you loved too. having you on, and uh, this has been a, a fascinating conversation. So, th- For, thank you. No, thank you so much. Yeah, I wish my life had been harder. <laughs> <laughs> My First Year on Aussie Soil is an SBS original podcast. It's created and produced by me, Suraj Kolaka, and Danny Giles. You can find more info at sbs.com.au slash myfirstyear.